and welcome to Getting to Good Enough, a podcast to help you let go of perfectionism so you can do more of what you love. I'm Shannon Wilkinson, a life coach in Portland, Oregon. I'm a recovering perfectionist who's getting better at good enough. And I'm Janine Adams, a certified professional organizer in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm lucky enough to be naturally good at good enough. And today we're talking about getting comfortable with discomfort. today? I'm doing just fine. Today I'm happy that I am in the air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a hot, humid day there, isn't it? Yeah, like a lot of the country. We're here in St. Louis. We're just, it's like, uh, yeah, heat index is over 100. It's sunny. It's humid. The windows were foggy this morning, which never happens. Um, just gross. Yeah. But I'm very grateful for air conditioning, so. Yeah, thank God it was invented. I know. <laughs> thank God we live in the 21st century where there's yeah. air conditioning, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Wi-Fi and Internet. So we can do this while you're in St. Louis not suffering too much, and I'm in Portland not suffering at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but today we're going to talk about getting comfortable with discomfort, which seems sort of fitting given, you know, what we're putting up with. I was just thinking that, wow, maybe that's what made this feel right today to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, the discomfort. Yeah, well, so what we mean by this is that... um, well, actually, let me let me start by saying how we sort of came to this topic idea, which is um, it came out of our episode "Ease Doesn't Mean Always Mean Easy," and um, we were separately having a discussion about how one of the things that was difficult but made the difference for me in getting over some of the things that I was really perfectionistic about was getting okay getting comfortable with feeling the discomfort of letting things not be perfect of you know sort of letting lowering my standards mm-hmm. um and it is it's very comfortable uh, or not comfortable it's very uncomfortable to um not do things the quote unquote right way um mm-hmm. if you have a tendency to want to do things the right way mm-hmm So, if we can get comfortable with that discomfort, life might get better. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but I think it bears repeating that perfectionism is a problem when you spend more uh, energy trying to do something perfectly than it merits mm-hmm. um, and or if you have angst over or you know any kind of anxiousness over not being able to get something perfect mm-hmm. or do it the right way or if it keeps you from doing things because you don't know and so 
um, getting, allowing yourself to get comfortable with the discomfort of not doing things those those ways. (laughs) I don't know why that sounds weird to my ear. Um, (laughs) It will make your life significantly better. Right. Yay, we're here to help. Yay! Yay. <laughs> and we had this on our list um, for a while since that was that was episode 50, 50 I think, that we talked, did Ease Doesn't Mean Easy. And um, then last night when I was watching the, on, I was streaming my favorite summer TV show, American Ninja Warrior, um, <laughs> and enjoying every second of it, one of the contestants, Flip Rodriguez, had a t-shirt on that said get comfortable with being uncomfortable and I thought hey we were going to talk about that um that's so so awesome it was top of mind today when I came to to podcast with you I don't know enough about flip to know what he means by that I didn't he probably isn't talking about overcoming perfectionism (laughs) but um, (laughs) (laughs) no I'm gonna guess he's talking about how um it could be rather uncomfortable to train to do the things that he's doing on American Ninja Warrior. Right. Yeah. He's and he is doing. He's excelling. So um, he had a very good night last night. I won't say any more in case people haven't seen the episode. But oh. if you like Flip, don't worry. He didn't. He didn't botch it last night. <laughs> but remember, people are going to be listening to this in a few weeks. So. Well, the casual fan may not have watched it yet. It's true. <laughs> Me, I watch it the day after it airs. I don't watch it live because I don't have a great antenna and I don't have cable. Oh. Yeah. And I have Hulu without commercials. so Which makes yeah. everything better. It's the greatest thing ever invented. <laughs> after the internet. Yeah. Sorry, advertisers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it's too good to be true almost. I suspect uh, they'll jack the price up more or something. <laughs> but yeah. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I know that um, your mantra is to let it be easy and how can you make things easier and, and you love ease. What, like, I'm sort of curious, what, what do you think about this idea of um, getting comfortable with discomfort? Well, in having the con- a little discomfort. Yeah, I like it, especially in the context of it allowing you to proceed on something. So it made me think about in my own life, like if I'm sending out a, uh, well, today, for example, I had to send out two estimates for team organizing, right? I paid, did mm-hmm. some consultations yesterday and I um, had to send emails to the people with whom I met, letting them know how much time I think it will take and therefore... It, know how many people and how much it will cost and I wanted to get it out uh, right away don't you know nothing worse than waiting for an estimate Um, but it was a little hard to press send because I wasn't you know it's an estimate and I wasn't sure you know is this gonna is this really accurate or is this gonna land okay with the client but I just, I wanted to get it out before I left for my, uh, for a client appointment this morning. So send, I went and, and, you know, it's out, it's gone, they're gone. And hopefully the client will be happy. The clients will be happy. But anyway, it was a little uncomfortable, but, but I could have sat around and thought about it all day, some more, 
Right. And, um, you know, it, that probably wouldn't, I didn't, there wasn't like there was more research I could do. I just needed to get comfortable with it or get comfortable sending it even if I didn't know. Yeah, and, that, and I think that's the big difference is to um, recognize that what you had put together was good enough mm-hmm. and that you could send it. And any t- additional time you spent with it had diminishing returns. You know, it wasn't going to, thinking about it for hours longer wasn't going to get you that much closer to feeling comfortable about it. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I think there's lots of applications of, of this. And, and even if it's, you know, I, um, um, not a big, you know, I, uh, if it's a small, ex- I mean, lots of small examples as well as large examples. That's what I'm trying to say. My estimate example mm-hmm. is pretty small. Uh, but it would also <laughs> apply, it could also definitely apply to larger things. And sometimes if we can get uncomfortable and trust that it's, going to be okay that the stakes aren't that high or even if it's not perfect it's okay it's good enough then yeah um, we can actually carry on with our lives right and I think that brings up a good point because sometimes it may take a little um like purposeful thinking about it to decide whether or not you're you're where you need to be before you do something um so you might want to think like if i put more time into this what am i likely to gain um and i think you know once you get used to doing this you don't have to be so conscious and purposeful about it um that you sort of just get a feeling like "Mm, this is good you know this this feels good enough. Like, I'm not sure I can add much more value to this by spending more time on it. But when you're just starting, when you're moving away from um, uh, being more perfectionistic and and have a tendency to put too much time into something um, or more time than um, is really, than it, than it warrants um, to take a moment and, you know, like maybe when you think you're about 80% done, and take a moment to sort of assess where you're at and think, you know, how, how much more and how much time will that take? And, and what do I really need to do to feel that this is good enough? Mm-hmm. Right. And then do it often enough and it just becomes a natural, a natural thing. Right. Right. You know, you're no longer uncomfortable, I guess. Uh, right. Yeah takes a little practice yeah that's I think one of my favorite definitions of perfectionism is spending more time I'm, I'm on things tasks or what have you than they merit I think that that's that says a lot to me that speaks to me anyway and um, it's something really worth keeping in mind and I know I've talked about it before but uh, it's um, it does worth it does bear repeating because we I can just think about how you know back in the day i could polish an email boy (laughs) i could spend some time polishing (laughs) up an email it really didn't matter (laughs) um yep well and it's an interesting point because you know a lot of times people who don't have a tendency towards perfectionism but maybe have high standards will um in that they uh, and by that i mean that that they have high standards but they don't tend to um, 
get anxious about like needing to do spend more time with something than it actually warrants mm-hmm. um because i think that's the other component is that is you know there's an emotional component to at least the kind of perfectionism that we're talking about that that creates difficulties for people but you know people who don't have that issue will think that when people talk about good enough that they're being sloppy like mm-hmm. you know you're not you're not doing what you need to do if you're only doing a good enough job mm-hmm. um and so and that's just a different situation mm-hmm. you know it's we're not talking about being sloppy or leaving things half done we're talking about giving something the time that it warrants and being done with it right yeah I was listening to a podcast yesterday. It was the Stand Out podcast from NAPO, from National Association mm-hmm. of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. And um, Anne Bloomer was the, the guest. And at the end of the episode, they always the host always asks for two sticky notes of you know two things you want people to uh, remember and take action uh-huh. on. And and Anne said this is something a coach told me and I think it's so important I just have to say it take imperfect action and oh. those that was her advice and I raised my mm-hmm. arms I'm driving <laughs> I raised my arms <laughs> up in the air <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, but it was so it really um it, it, it I thought that was just terrific advice and it, it yeah. fall, you know it f- certainly uh, it falls in line with the kinds of things we talk about Absolutely. Well, and it's and that's such a perfect idea for what we're talking about mm-hmm. today because that's going to feel really uncomfortable to someone who historically has a pattern of not wanting to get started until they know exactly what they're doing. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, getting getting comfortable with that feeling of I'm not quite sure if this is the right thing getting comfortable with the idea of experimenting of taking imperfect action will really take you far mm-hmm. and you know the person the guest Ann Bloomer who said it is somebody who's done all sorts of great things with her organizing business and uh, so it was it felt it resonated coming from her uh, but yeah I like that a lot and I don't know that I've ever heard that particular phrase those particular three words put together but I thought it was great yeah that's a that's a really good one I do like that um and perfect sticky note size yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> I could hand letter the heck out of that yeah yeah <laughs> um but I think the thing that uh is is tricky for people is that it just it feels so hard it feels hard to take action when um you aren't sure that you're going to do it the right way it is it feels hard to um to stop something when you aren't sure if it's done perfectly um so you know on sort of on either end of things you can use this idea of getting comfortable with discomfort to allow yourself to start and finish. Mm. Oh, yes, right. I was thinking about it mostly in terms of starting, but you're right, knowing when to stop. I was just remembering our conversation with Alexandra Franz in, in whatever episode that was, where 
we we talked about how in the world did you know you were finished with your novel? How could you call it done? Right. um, And and it was really hard for her, she said. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Me, when I wrote books, it was always the deadline. I looked at the calendar. That's how I knew it was done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not not always the um the right. or do i want to say like um recommend calmest way to <laughs> do know. it <laughs> right can't, i really the can't recommend most it. emotionally sustainable way <laughs> to do it <laughs> right yeah that was back in my procrastinator days <laughs> yeah oh yeah. and you know i'm only laughing with you because i i didn't write any books but well, except for um, uh, novels for NaNoWriMo, but, right. um, which were also done because it was the end of the month. <laughs> right, right. That, okay. <laughs> they were done because I hit 50,000 words, and right. it was, you know, November, whatever, 30th or however I, many days November has. It has 30, but I think you finished early one year, didn't you? Or was that um, No, I think you finished early the year that I had to quit because I got carpal tunnel so bad I couldn't type. (laughs) That's right. So we should mention that we're talking about National Novel Writing Month, where crazy people uh, write a novel in a a 50,000-word novel in a month. And we've done it. I've done it three times. You've done it. Have you attempted it three times? I think I've only... I think I completed it once and... Um, and then I wrote like three quarters of one. Right. And then tragically had to stop. Yeah. And I tried I, dictating for a while, but it just. <laughs> I think it's it. an every five years thing for me. And I think, oh, yeah? I think this is the, I think it's this year if I'm going to keep it up. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I have to look. Well, at you have to let me know because it's always more fun to do it when you're doing it. Absolutely. You bet. If I decide to do it, I will tell you. And we could podcast yeah. about it. Oh, we could. I think I blogged about it. That's too. an, it's an right. excellent way to um, to deal with a lot of things that come up about perfectionism. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we should commit right now to doing it. Well, wait, I want to make sure it's on my schedule. My everything. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, what if this is only four years and then you have to do it next year, too? It, uh, yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I don't know that I'm that rigid, but, <laughs> um, but by the time we're finished recording today, I will have, I will, it won't take me any time to figure this out, because I blog about it all the time, so. Right. Um, and in, in any case, I feel like I, once again, we got diverted. Um, but it, but not really, because um, that's a perfect example of how to get over perfectionism because if you've been someone who ever wanted to write a book it's really hard to get started Mm -hmm. and it's hard to feel like you're going to do it the right way and that anything you do will be worthwhile and by having this um thing that People are doing all over the world, really, I think now. I think it just started sort of in the United States, but now I think people do it all over the world. And you have this time frame, there's a constraint, your novel, it's a novel if it's 50,000 words. And mm-hmm. that's all that matters. And so it, it allows you to really practice overcoming a lot of perfectionistic tendencies. Yes, and I just looked and indeed this year, I'm up, so. 
Let's do it. All right. Okay. You heard we it could, here. That's right. <laughs> Maybe we could have a little, if people wanted in our Getting to Good Enough Facebook group, we could, if anyone else wants to participate, we could all support one another through the month. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. It's, it is a great, it, it actually is uh, going to be a great way to talk about perfectionism, I think. And it yeah. is a fun accomplishment, without a doubt. I mean, it feels great to to finish that. Now, I will say I've never read any of the novels I've written after I finished writing the 50,000 words. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're, they're not very good, but that's okay. <laughs> well, that's not the point. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, my God. I did not expect to end up here. I know. <laughs> I know. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. Uh, uh, so, and this is good because then we have a few months to think about the possible topic for a novel. I, I usually yeah. think about it like October 31st. So, right. Um, so this is good. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, sort of there are a few rules. And one of the rules is that you're not supposed to do any writing on it before November. Right. Um, but you can think about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so, all right. Well, that's going to be fun. Yes. And I do think if, if I'm remembering that I was pretty uncomfortable with the idea of writing a novel, period, let alone in a month the first time I did it back in when we did it together back in 2004 um yeah yeah we had to face some discomfort there but when we actually achieved it that was pretty great yeah it was amazing and and it still feels good to be able to say I've I've written a novel it's crappy and only like two other people have read it but and it probably will never see the light of day again. <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, every now and then I think about reading one, you know, pulling one out and reading it. And no one's ever yeah. read mine. I'm not the only one. And I've never read it. So, actually, no one's read my novels. I just wrote it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I never read it all as a novel. I just read 1,600 words at a time. <laughs> oh, right. Which is how many you have to do a day to right. write 50,000 words. 1667, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you made that excellent spreadsheet. Yeah. Tremendous spreadsheet, yeah. Right. Yeah, which, you know, if anyone wants to do this and wants to track it, then we can um, probably make a link to, like, put that spreadsheet on Google Sheets or something or whatever it's called on Google. Google, I think it is Sheets. Um, yeah. And make that available for people if they want to be able to track their writing progress. Right. Um, cool. So, so yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. I'm in. All right. Me too. Yay. I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. Are you? <laughs> I am. The hardest part is the carving out the time, I think. But uh, for yeah. me, I would, I would just get up a little earlier and do it first thing in the morning. That's how I always accomplished it. And I think... I feel like we talked about this on the podcast, but I, um, one year, I think it was the first year, I, I was a writer, right? That's how I was working, yeah. my living was writing uh, nonfiction. And so in order to like differentiate the the novel writing from the um, nonfiction, I would wear a, a special hat. 
forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that worked out really well. I don't, I wonder if I still have that hat. I'll, I might. <laughs> I know where it would be. But do you, what kind of hat it was it? I can't it remember. Was, it was a charming red beret type hat that I bought in the I bought in my 20s I bought it like when I was right out of college and I loved it oh my god that's so adorable it's conceivable in my photo scanning project that I'm supposed to be in the midst of I will find a picture of myself wearing it and if I do Shannon I will send it to you and unless it's too embarrassing I'm uh, if it's not too embarrassing it might go on the the show notes right I think that would be excellent, <laughs> regardless I, of how embarrassing it is. <laughs> I tell you, I loved that hat. I thought I was the bee's knees. And I, I mean, I didn't really have occasion to wear hats, except for at, right. the, place, at the place I worked, we had hat day once a year, which is why yeah. I think I can find a picture right. of me, me well, wearing but, it. But, you know, I remember wearing hats on occasion in the 80s. Yeah, it was an 80s thing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I wore a sun hat all the time now, but that's different, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's different from a jaunty French hat. <laughs> right. I wore a hat with a with like a netting on it to my Christmas formal my senior year of high school. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Wow. That takes a certain amount of confidence. <laughs> yeah. And this was back when everyone was wearing um, like long taffeta gowns to formals, uh-huh. and I wore a short um, silk dress with it was like blue with a red print, sort of like geometric print, very eighties, mm-hmm. and um, with a red hat with a black veil and red like cutout pumps that had like a cutout pattern and like a peep toe. Wow, what about your legs? What did you have on hose? Um, I think I just had on like n- nude colored hose. Uh huh. Okay. D- is I might have had on black hose. I know. I was with wondering. My red maybe, shoes. I thought maybe there were black hose and I was going to guess either red hose and black shoes or black hose and red shoes. What? Yeah. Is there is there photographic evidence of this? I don't know if there is. Which is a real shame because it was quite a look. Yeah. Wow. I can picture it. I think that's also when I had my asymmetrical hair. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really sorry that there isn't a picture of it. I'll I'll look, but I don't think there is any photographic evidence. Oh, man. That's a crying shame. Yeah. Well, I am impressed that you had that confidence to go in an unconventional prom. It was a prom, you said, right? Uh, it was a, It was the winter formal. Formal, right. Yeah. Um, when everyone else was in taffeta. That's excellent. <laughs> Apparently, I was much more comfortable with discomfort then. <laughs> or or uh, maybe it didn't make you feel un- uncomfortable. Maybe there was no discomfort because uh, yeah. you knew you yeah. were rocking it. oh my goodness that Uh, is so funny to remember that yeah that's great anyway Uh, anyway (laughs) uh yeah there i did back to what we were talking about Mm -hmm. we really got off on that one yeah um 
uh, one of the things I was thinking about was um, how to be okay with that discomfort. Like, mm-hmm. you know, things you can do, things okay. you can say to yourself. And, you know, depending on if it's a, um, if you're, if it's to start or to finish, you might come up with different ways to handle it. But, um, you know, just using the, using the term good enough, like, is this good enough? What's the good enough first step? Mm-hmm. Um, is this good enough for me to be finished for now? Um, and the other thing is to remember why something's important to you. <laughs> and I, I was hoping that you were going to say that. Yeah. And, you know, so have you met that? Whatever it is that's important to you. When you know why something is important to you, you it can help you move through that discomfort. Oh, right. Keep your eye on the prize. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, to my well-worn example of the kitchen Mm -hmm. and getting comfortable with that, I just reminded myself this is to, you know, have a happier family, Mm -hmm. have a happier home. And that's more important to me than, you know, that the dishwasher be loaded in a particular way. Mm Mm-hmm. Excellent. I would think that starting small with this practice of getting comfortable with discomfort, lower stakes, um, just getting more at ease with it, uh, in, in, with the opportunities you can, um, is perhaps also another way to approach embracing the discomfort until it's gone. I think that's really true. That it just to start with things that don't feel like you know end of the world stuff (laughs) and and just practice experiment with it Mm -hmm. um you know how easy is it for you to feel discomfort how much discomfort do you actually feel how long does that discomfort last because that's another thing that is good to remember is that um you know when we like that our physiological emotion you know the sensations that go through your body actually pass through pretty quickly and so if you just sort of feel that discomfort but don't tell yourself a story about it like what it means or or um uh sort of egg it on within yourself if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. then the 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 actual sensation of discomfort will pass more quickly Mm -hmm. and then you can go on about your day right oh that's great advice it makes me think about um the little bit of reading i've done on cognitive behavioral therapy for people with hoarding disorder Mm -hmm. um, therapists will ask the client to rate their discomfort on a scale of say one to ten now when they think about for example not purchasing something and then um 10 minutes later how does that feel and the next day how does that feel asking them to rate their their level of discomfort and and it goes down right and that helps right. them learn that if they don't buy the thing it's um not the end of the world right yeah right and you know there may be a very acute sense of discomfort which as you say diminishes over time mm-hmm. right so i know i've um 
this is not my favorite analogy, but it's an apt one for this, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, those horrible underground fences mm-hmm. that they have for dogs, which, um, I mean, I understand why some people need to use them. Um, but it, so the dog wears a collar and if they get too close to the underground wire, they get a shock. And, um, so they learn not to go past the thing, but what we as thinking humans know that once you get the shock, you're done. Once you, once you go, you can go through it. You can, you can go through it. So once you go through the, and you get that shock, then you're free. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, it's the, um, gearing yourself up to know this is gonna be acutely uncomfortable and then I will be free. Right. Is a is a good um can can help you. It's a good uh way to approach it. Yeah. Yeah, I know that uh. I do know that analogy and it is apt in this case and in some cases. I mean it can be very vivid. <laughs> right. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a, this I think has turned into a, a podcast as a zigging and zagging podcast with a great message. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Well, and I think it's you know it's sort of until you think about it, you don't really realize how much um, how much time you spend trying to avoid discomfort when when you can get a little bit comfortable with it. It tends to ease over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and just sort of being aware of it, having that a level of awareness where you can recognize consciously that, oh, wait a minute, this is uncomfortable, but it's yeah. not the end of the world, instead of just sort of um, instinctively avoiding discomfort. I mean, I imagine, right. actually, you do a whole lot of that with your clients. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this just reminded me of something I... Um, hadn't thought about it in a long time, but I had a um, business coach, coach once who recommended that I leave a typo in a bot in a pod a podcast in a blog post. Jeez, uh-huh. <laughs> it was so hard to get out. To purposefully leave a typo in a blog post and post it with a typo in there, which felt really 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 uncomfortable to me Uh but then you know once you do it it's sort of no big deal and so then if you do it without knowing you've done it it doesn't feel like such a big deal because before Uh I would like see that I'd made a I had a typo and it felt like some horrible thing Uh uh-huh right like you had like almost impossible to recover from it's just so bad yeah. Yeah. Oh like, gosh. oh my God, how could I let that happen? Uh, you know, and and it just felt awful. And then once you've done it, and you realize that, like, the worst that happens is that maybe someone points out that you have a typo. Right. <laughs> and when you and left it in there purposefully, did anyone point out that you had a typo? No. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. That's very interesting. Huh. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's kind of a, 
an interesting way to um, experiment with this, to, to do stuff on purpose that might normally trigger perfectionism and feel uncomfortable with it and notice what happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, again, low stakes things like, you know, a typo isn't, you wouldn't want to have the typo be, say, your phone number or email address, but, mm-hmm. you know. If it's T-E-H instead of T-H-E, it's probably okay. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Exactly. Yeah. So, anything else to say about this? No, of course, I'm thinking of all sorts of examples, but I don't think we need to. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to belabor the point Right, anymore. exactly, right. No. <laughs> <laughs> Had we not spent so much time talking about NaNoWriMo and, and hats... We right. probably <laughs> we could, could t- share more examples. <laughs> <laughs> right. But really, the, those things are, I think, more interesting. So it's, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, so we want to hear from you, our listeners. How comfortable are you with discomfort? Um, how are you experimenting with this idea? You can leave us a message at 413-424-GTGE. That's 4843. You can uh, leave a comment on the show notes at gettingtogoodenough.com. Or you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Getting to Good Enough and on Twitter at GTGEnough. And you can For let now, you can let us know oh, whether I was just going to say. Also, feel free to let us know whether you want to write a novel in November with us. Oh yes, nice. please do. <laughs> I think that would be really fun to have a whole like tribe of good enough people writing good enough novels. Right, <laughs> good enoughers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We still haven't sorted that out yet, have we? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Please help us with that one too. <laughs> All right, so for now, uh, this is Shannon Wilkinson in Portland, Oregon. And Janine Adams in St. Louis, Missouri. And we hope that good enough is getting easier for you. I'm mostly excited about writing a novel in November. Good. Be excited, not uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, there's still a little bit, but (laughs) I'll get over it. It's going to be really fun. I think so.